You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me on this Sunday afternoon by Zencaster is my friend Michael Eboff. And Mike, the Islanders season came to an end on Friday night uh, with a one nothing loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning. We're going to talk about that game in the first half and then the playoff run as a whole in the second half. Um, you know, you can't say the Islanders didn't leave it all out there on the ice. Um, you know, it wasn't their most complete performance of the year, but you know, going into the third period down one, nothing and people who listen to this podcast and you obviously know me well as one of the most pessimistic Islanders fans you could possibly find. Um, I did not think for one second that they were not going to tie that game and go to overtime. And that is a testament to, I think how this team played all year that they were only down one, nothing. And I think me and a lot of other people felt they were going to tie it. Uh, and that that didn't happen, and it still sucks. Forty eight hours later, knowing that the season is over, and the guys uh, in the interviews all seem to feel the same way we do. Yeah, one one thing about the Islanders is that there really are some blurred lines um, between where the team ends and like the fan base begins, because like it's such a small, tight knit community, both on on both sides of the glass, right? Like the fan base is small, the team, like the people who kind of understand what, what, what this fan base and franchise kind of all, all about, uh, it's kind of small. So it, it, you feel like you're on the bus with the team a little bit. And I think that's why 
you you could have put Matt Barzell next to you know an Islander fan in that ex, uh, in that post game presser, and I think it would look the same. Like uh, if, you know he was sitting next to I think um, you know Brock Nelson. Nelson, and, yeah, yeah. And and if you took Brock Nelson out and you know put one of us or you know someone who listens to this podcast next to him instead, I think it would sound the almost the exact same. Um, which is why it, it sucks. Like it sucks to lose because. You know, is maybe this is naive and biased or whatever, but you do feel like this team, uh, especially this group, this like iteration of the Islanders, um, kind of represented what sports and your fandom is all about. Uh, is all about right? Like this is everyone bought into this entire identity um, over the past three years. Like you don't look at it almost as it's not like this has been a singular season that lit, led up to this moment, led up to those guys, you know, sobbing on. Uh, in the post game, you felt like this has been, you know, a three year journey since, um, and I, and I, you know, it's basically been since John Tavares, the day that John Tavares left and this, the identity of this team went from, um, having him as like kind of the focal point to much more of a, um, team identity. Uh, and it, you, you feel like it led all three seasons under Trotz and Lamarilla led to that moment, um, and for it to go against the Islanders in such on such fine margins just sucks because it would have been such a fairy tale ending. But of course, like this is sports, and you very rarely get the fairy tale ending that that you're working for. And um, you know, it's just the, the I think the players kind of and the fan base are both so clear eyed into what this season, what the end of the season means, which is you know obviously some changes to the core group and. Um, you know, a lot more uncertainty than they were had to deal with even last year when there was some uncertainty and obviously they lost a key player. But um, so that's, you know, all that bubbling up and into a, a one nothing loss to the best team, not just in the league, but like, you know, the best team. And speaking of those three seasons, like the, the Lightning are on their own kind of long term journey and alongside the Islanders. And and they've been, um, you know, leading up to these moments, too. And it's just like they have the uh, you know, the, the talent or something to win out in, in, in most of these battles. And, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, see it ends in on such fine margins against a behemoth like that, like a very much a David versus Goliath kind of situation, uh, to see Goliath win, um, you know, it sucks. Uh, it sucks a lot. And, uh, that's, you know, there's no other way to put it. Like, I don't, in the end, like, um, it's, it's going to kind of be like when you, you know, obviously time heals everything. And in a couple of weeks, like you'll definitely appreciate the moments that got the Islanders to that night to, to game seven against the best team in a generation in this league, um, for the second straight year, like those moments will, you will be up, you'll start to think of them with like the same fondness that we thought of with, we think of with, um, you know, to Sean Bates and the Florida Panther series moments, et cetera. Uh, but right now, like you know, it hurts to even think about it. Um, and it's, it's honestly refreshing almost in a sad way to see, uh, you know, Barzell, especially saying like, you know, he, he understands that he's got a few more years, but he's been trying to win. He wants to win for guys like Andy Green and Josh Bailey, because like, yeah, that's what we wanted to like exactly what we wanted. Like I would kill to see Josh Bailey skate around with a Stanley cup. I would kill to see Brock Nelson do it. And um, it's, it was like a little touching to see here one of the best players in the leagues, a guy who is thought of to be a superstar, say the same exact thing that we're thinking. 
Yeah. Um, well, we'll talk about them later. If, but if people out there haven't watched the post game uh, videos by now, they're they're brutal. Like they're brutal. And I'm not going to say you should go watch them because uh, they are very emotional. I actually just watched them just before we came on right now because I could not watch them on Friday. And yesterday, thankfully, I wasn't even home. So I just I couldn't even do it. And even Barry Trotz, who is a rock you know he he barely moves i mean they, they lost eight nothing in game five and and he had a smile on his face at the, after that he was in pretty good spirits for a guy who was coaching a team that just got their asses handed to them even he was clearly a step slower in answering a lot of those questions and he just kept getting back to how special the group is and everything but um we're getting ahead of ourselves a, a little bit um let's let's talk about game seven that we actually did watch uh, obviously coming off the hugely emotional uh, game six overtime win, Anthony Beauvillier's crazy goal. Um, and also, again, game five, that complete blowout. You know, we didn't quite know what to expect. Um, the Lightning were in charge for the first two periods. Like, let's just be honest. The, uh, the Islanders' problem really boiled down to not being able to get a sustained forecheck going. They, they had chances. In fact, they, each team had four high-danger chances in the first period in that game. But the Lightning had more shots. I think they had like, you know, 13 shots to the Islanders' four. So, you know, yeah, they evened out. I mean, the, when the Islanders did have a chance, it was generally a high major chance and it worked out pretty well. But, I mean, they just weren't getting the kind of volume of shots that they, they normally don't get. That's, you know, that's not their game. But the Lightning were. And, and so Simeon Varlamov had to work real hard. And he was excellent, excellent throughout the entire game. Um, but it was a problem for the Islanders. They just couldn't get any kind of forecheck going, couldn't sustain any attack. They got no rebounds. You know, they, 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 everything was kind of swallowed up. And the Lightning for the game blocked 21 shots. And in fact, Trot says this at the end, you know, the postgame thing. They had 50 attempts and 21 of them were blocked, which is going to be a huge problem. Uh, and the Lightning, again, you know, they're, they're a pretty staunch defensive team. Um, and this is not, shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. They just didn't let anything through. Any, any point shot was kicked off a foot or just skittered off into nowhere and it was really irritating so come second period starts the Islanders get a power play would end up being the only power play of the game it was a cross check in the back probably something that should have been called 50 or more times in the previous six games of the series but it wasn't this time it was so they're on the power play you know it wasn't a bad power it just didn't look they didn't really get anything going so it skitters into their end and uh off the bench comes Yanni Gord and the puck sort of finds him. Uh, I forget who who made the pass to him. And he just rips it past uh, Simeon Varlamov and gives the Lightning a one nothing lead. My first thought was, obviously, that sucks. And that's a terrible thing to happen. My second thought was, is this the first? Sh- when was the last time the Islanders gave up a shorthanded goal? I c- literally couldn't remember. NBC said it was their first shorty of the season. Turned out to not be. Thank you, Vinny. Uh, turned out they had given up one late in the season. So... You're talking about 75 games between the regular season and the playoffs. They gave up two shorthanded goals. And one of them was in game seven of the semifinals. And it would end up being the only goal of the game. Somebody lost Gord coming off the bench. People trying to make it seem like the lighting had too many guys on on the ice. It doesn't really work that way. In any event, somebody should have picked up Gord. And they didn't. And, you know, Varlamov, you know, he just wasn't quite ready, I guess. But it was a nice shot. And, you know, the guy takes you by surprise like that. What are you going to do? After that point, it was all lightning. And the Islanders really, I think, were reeling from that goal. Uh, obviously, the power play didn't help them at all. And and the lightning really took advantage. They, they way outshot them. The Islanders had no high danger chances for the rest of the period. But they did start to turn things on sort of around about five minutes left. 
And in the third period, they left it all out on the ice. And like I said at the top, I did not think for one second that they weren't going to tie that game. Like I, they went in one nothing, down one nothing, and I thought to myself, this is how it should be. <laughs> like this is exactly where the Islanders want to be. They're going to tie this game. And I was actually kind of preparing to lose in overtime. This is, you know, you know how you kind of like make up the story of the game as you go on. And this is what I thought that might've been probably actually worse, but, um, and it just goes to show you and people were complaining. Oh, they no show. This is terrible. How could they do this? Dude, this is what they've been all year. They stay in the fight. That's what Barry Trotz told them in the game in Boston when they, they blew that, you know, whatever five, nothing lead or, you know, five, five, one lead or whatever it was and ended up winning five, four, like stay in the fight. They stayed in the fight. That fight was right there. And they just couldn't get it. And this is where it gets really annoying because none of the bounces went their way. Uh, Bovillier had was in front. Puck bounces off the chef is stick, bounces off the crossbar. Uh, Bailey's in front, goes down on one knee to try and get it past uh, Var- uh, Vasilevsky, who was fantastic. Puck bounces up, up into the glass. Barzell's by himself on the side of the net. Pass comes to him. Puck literally bounces off his stick and he just misses. He had a wide open net. He just missed it. It was that kind of thing all throughout the third period. They just couldn't get that one bounce. I think Nelson had a couple of chances. Palmieri was active, couldn't get a bounce, couldn't get a chance. And at the end, it was one nothing. And I actually kind of <laughs> I was rooting against that empty net goal because I felt one nothing was sort of a more poetic way to end it than than two nothing. Two nothing sort of feels like you got really kind of beat. And the Islanders did, but man, one nothing is both painful and also kind of poetic in a sense that like it was just the one goal that was a difference and no bounces. And I mean, how did you feel after throughout that whole thing? You know, it was a, it was a weird game. And I, again, I just, I kind of felt like the Islanders left it all out there, but at the end they just couldn't find that one bounce to tie it up. Yeah. I think, I think the scoreline, like you said, is kind of a perfect, (laughs) In a way, like like way to end, like to wrap up, uh, you know, whatever uh, this this journey's been. Just because, like, they they were just so close, but like, unless unless you do get through the final and win, like, it's just so painful at the end. And um, I can't think of a more painful like scoreline for this you know whole thing. And um, yeah, it's just it sucked. It really sucks just to watch them work they were working hard and just couldn't find a you know just couldn't find the bounce or whatever and uh, when uh yeah when the t- when the clock was kind of like ticking down um and and you saw the the lightning celebrate like it did it, uh, like like every other moment in this run like that's also a moment like <laughs> you know Barry Trotz keeps talking about these moments and stuff but that is one too um and it's and eventually ends up being the the one that like ends the story. And uh, that sucks just because of how close you literally could taste it. And before the game, like I was just thinking about, you know, you just start, like you said, make a story up in your head. And I basically pictured every kind of possible outcome, good or bad and um, how I would react to it. And this was one that never crossed my mind. Like I was thinking like, you know, I could see them getting blown out or imagine if the Islanders jump out to a two, nothing lead, like how I would feel and stuff. And this one didn't really, um, you know, crossed my mind. So when it, uh, <laughs> I felt totally unprepared for when it happened. And then, um, yeah, just the end, uh, I can't, like, I honestly can't shake the, the feeling of, um, just w- w- the, the, the empty feeling, um, because like, you know, the players are feeling the same way. And, um, you know, even 
there was there was you know the one there was like a light moment I thought which I thought was I know people were upset about it but I thought it was hilarious was that the Islanders decided to submit Andy Green and Travis Ajak as their <laughs> their pregame media interviews and yeah. and I thought like you know that's a, a one point like a like Lou is so down to like the microscopic details when it comes to stuff like that and good gamesmanship and it was just such a like uh to the hundred people that noticed it uh you know hilarious thing to do like let's just put you know two guys who have not been here that long whatever <laughs> like out there let them be the guys to talk talk about it because they they you know they they'll know exactly how to say nothing and give absolutely nothing away um and i just thought like it was like a very funny thing and um you know when you think about those two guys and even like palmary too to an extent like the the look on their faces too at the end like that's what the fact that it took only took you know zajac a quarter of a season and green a season uh and at plus after being with another organization for their whole career like being known as I'm, you won't be surprised if a lot of people six years from now say wow remember when andy green was an islander that was weird like and we'll be some of them too like mm. but like the fact that those guys too were just as gutted and you saw the look on their faces as that the puck ended and like they're hunched over and the, the the handshake line like that just goes to show you just how like much of a gut punch that one nothing game was because it was it was like you know no matter how hard the islanders worked like it just wasn't meant to be like this this there are so many things that happened throughout this playoff run that uh went went our way in big times and they just couldn't muster up more magic and um i think everybody believed because of those situations that maybe this was like a team of destiny or something i had people ranger fans telling me how like terrified they were after stuff like that just being like you um and like how relieved they were and that they lost. And like, I'm not mad about that. Cause honestly I do the same thing when mm. Rangers get eliminated. Like I do dance on their grave. So what, like fair play, but uh, it just shows to show you like everybody like you believe that no, this can't end because this is a team of destiny. And then when it does and um, yeah, there's just, and in that fashion and that type of game, it just really, um, yeah, it really sucks. Yeah. Um, it's hard to really think about. And again, you know, I'm not, saying that the Islanders kind of got screwed here. They didn't. They, they did not play well for the first two periods of that game. Like, let's be honest. They, they Yes, the Lightning blocked a million shots, but, you know, the Islanders just didn't do what they had to do to get past those blocks and create create forecheck and create havoc in front of the net. Uh, Vasilevsky didn't have too much of a hard night in front of him. Um, but a couple of guys I thought did stand out. Barzell was particularly very good, uh, particularly in the third. He was seemed to be trying to will the Islanders – to a tie goal uh, for the entire period uh, and into the second, you know, but he was wearing lightning defenders like a second Jersey, the entire game, justifiably. So like, you know, they, I don't, I don't write off or call any, you know, penalties that weren't called or anything. Again, it was the one penalty. uh, So it's not like, and it went to the Islanders. So it's not, I don't know if we can really complain all that much about it. Um, And I thought he was, he was very good. Again, I thought Paul Mary was pretty active. Uh, It's a real shame that, he was so good in the first two rounds and just came up empty against the lightning. Literally didn't have any goals against him, which I don't know if anybody could have really have envisioned. Um, didn't, didn't really work out that way. Um, you know, on the other side, and again, I'm not like trying to blame him or anything. Um, you know, Nick Letty seemed to, I don't know if the lightning were targeting him or not, but he, he seemed to 
sort of been noticeably um, bad, I guess is the only way to really put it. Uh, you know, he, he just didn't quite have the same juice that, you know, he hasn't, wasn't as sure of himself. And we've talked about it. He's sometimes can be a, a very um, indecisive player, but he seemed to, he seemed to be wearing the moment on his shoulders a lot more than some of the other guys did. And that just might, might just be my interpretation. I'm not trying to, again, I'm not trying to blame him. He's one guy out of 22. Um, but if I had to pick one guy who I just noticeably seemed to not quite rise to the moment, I, I would have put Letty. Oh, and obviously we, we would be remiss if not mentioning Simeon Varlamov, who was fantastic. I mean, he was just awesome. And, and uh, the, the times when the guys, in those post-game interviews could form sentences. And I'm not trying to be joking. Like if you watch it, Josh Bailey could barely get a word in a word, a sentence out. Brock Nelson was just kind of staring off into the distance and just saying a bunch of words. And, and Barzell was like visibly hugely upset. His eyes were red. He talked about, yeah, you know, wanting to win it for Bales and greener. Um, you know, it just, uh, the only times they were able to get sentences out were when they talked about Varlamov and how great he was in this game and all season long. Cause I think they, it was easier for them to just praise another guy and not talk about the game. And so he, he does deserve special mention. Um, and also deserving special mention is Scott Mayfield, who of all the crazy things that have happened this playoff, I don't think anyone could have envisioned that Scott Mayfield, this soft spoken St. Louisan, who, even though they played the Islanders last year in the playoffs, I don't think most Lightning fans had ever even heard of before game six of this series has become a villain in another team's building. Like, that is insane to me, that every time Scott Mayfield touched the puck in game seven, he was booed the way, you know, Canadians fans were booing uh, Max Pacioretty when he was playing with the the Golden Knights. Uh, Not the way John Tavares was booed when he played at the Coliseum, because that, you know, nobody deserves that except for him. But... uh, I never thought I'd see the day when Scott Mayfield was was booed in an opposing building because he's such a villain and a hated member of the other team. That to me was insane, and uh, <laughs> it doesn't, he didn't play poorly. He was, seemed fine, but uh, I just thought that I kept laughing every time he touched the puck and, and he got booed. I'm like, wow, this is these people. They really don't like Scott Mayfield. Uh, I think they'd like him a lot more if they get to know him because he seems like <laughs> a pretty pretty dope guy. But uh, you know, it's uh, that's just how these things go. And again, it, you know. I'm not trying to blame Letty. I just, you know, he was one guy that it just, he didn't seem to really have it in that particular game on a team that didn't have it quite honestly, and and won't have it until hopefully next season. <laughs> yeah. The May- Mayfield's journey is, is kind of indicative of this whole team too. Like it seems like everyone just had their moments, right? Like everyone yeah. just had their kind of. Yeah. Letty's been good. These playoffs. I'm not. Letty actually like there was one particular part in the middle of the season where he like turned into Nick Lidstrom for a little yeah. while. Like everyone's had like, everyone's kind of throughout, like even going back, you know, th- for th- over the three years, like everyone's had these moments, uh, Everly against the Penguins, right. uh, you know, just like even guys who aren't here anymore, Robin Leonard and, yeah. um, dude, Ilya Sorokin won. Sorokin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you, you just like, you think about all these guys who've been, who've like kind of written, uh, parts of it and like Mayfield kind of just was consistently there and like up and down but never like I, I wouldn't say ever I mean yes he had the game seven against the Flyers or whatever but um, to to do it over like the course of three series uh, the way he did um, against good teams and playing like you said playing with Nick Letty who I like like JG Pajot towards the end of the 
in the second half of the Lightning series. Like you, you just kind of could tell Letty never could find that extra gear um, during the postseason that he could find in the regular season. And we've seen from him uh, during his good moments um, in his Islander career. But uh, yeah, that, that the the Mayfield thing could just, if if that's, you know, who Scott Mayfield is from now on, like it's a huge thing for the Islanders because he's, uh, yeah, like he, he was so good. I mean, there's there's no other way to put it. Like I, I mean, he got a lot of talk on 31 Thoughts. Like talk about mm. people you don't think <laughs> know who Scott Mayfield is. I didn't think, you know, I'm sure Elliot Freeman knows who Scott Mayfield is, but like I don't think Jeff Marrick would mm. before the playoffs, but they were talking about him as if he was the star of the series for the Islanders. And he kind of was, and, and it, he, he kind of was a star for the entire postseason. Um, and like, like I keep saying, like, the, like that, that's another thing. Like it just makes it hurt so much is like, wow, we, we got so much out of that guy. Um, he gave it all. And um, you know, so it still comes, you still come up short. Um, yeah. And the Letty thing, like, yeah, he, he had a tough game, but like, you know, at this point, it doesn't really matter. And uh, it's, uh, you know, he's he's another guy that when when the clock ran out, like you just think about the guys that you're just trying to see for the last time wearing the Islander jersey. And he st- certainly could be one of them. And, and um, I was just, you know, trying to take that in. And that's why, like, because for, for Nick, like there's been a lot of polarizing guys. I think Letty has certainly become a polarizing player over the past two seasons or so. And um you just hope that, um, you, you know, and Islander fans will like, he, he's going to be someone who, when, when he does go, like it's, it's going to probably feel like a grass isn't greener, uh, situation. Um, because you know, his, he's, he's played through a lot of ups and downs and, uh, you know, that was definitely a down for him, but, uh, it's just, it's like a, a guy who's been a rock for, for, you just know he's going to be playing 20 minutes a night, whether they're good 20 <laughs> minutes or bad 20 minutes yeah. for the past, whatever, se- how many seasons. And it's, a, it's a, like, like I keep saying, like all it's so weird because you have so many threads in a seat, not just a playoff series, but in a season, like, like there's all these threads going up and down and kind of like weaving themselves in and out of each other. It's like a tapestry. Um, and at the end, they don't like, they don't resolve themselves separately. Like they all come in, in like a bottleneck and like all these all of a sudden all these emotions when when the clock runs out on a season kind of just burst and and that's one of them like it's just so it's that's that's what that game was like it's just like this the whole thing um just kind of crescendoed and it's now you got to sort through all those feelings and that's what and like every every islander fan woke up on saturday morning feeling the same way every player felt the same way and that's why like if you watch probably uh, like this isn't like I'm not trying to be like ticky tack um, among fan bases or players or, or playing groups, whatever. But I'm sure that those the, the the player interviews that the Islanders gave looked a lot different from the ones that the Avalanche gave or the ones that the Coyotes gave or whoever, just because like this this was I think a a unique team. Um, and yeah, so like sorting through all of that in like the 24 48 hours, two minutes after the final mm-hmm. whistle it's challenging. Like this is the challenging part is being a fan. I actually was thinking about, um, you know, as I do one, maybe once a year, like I'll go back and listen to our episode when t- the day Tavares left. And we talk about it. We reference that one all the time because, I, um, and I, and I was thinking about doing it. Cause I was like, I feel similarly, like mm. I, f- I don't feel as, uh, I feel much more hopeful, but like, I feel just as sad. Um, like in, in terms of like 
te- like a temporary sadness more than um you know long-term depressed like depressed about the the outlook of the team because it's very different now obviously and but like that that feeling of it ending felt similar because it's um you know it's just such a gut punch and i just uh you know I, and and that's the the funny thing about this fan base is like literally every single one of us felt feels the same way it's just like this the sadness and like at least as a group like our fan base is so literally like like the coliseum like you're just like on top of each other um and like we're all so connected somehow like everyone everyone knows so many islander fans and like we'll talk islanders with them all day long because there just aren't that many that's like i think it's different like when you're a ranger fan or whatever like uh when the fan base is bigger or you know even in other sports like you you kind of have to sort through things on your own because what you're feeling might not be the same as someone else um but like for us it's like you know it's a very much an offer one thing and um so with that like when that game ended and um, I think everyone felt the same, the same way. And like, that's the good thing, I guess, is like, you know, that the, the, the people you talk to online or bicker at online are feeling the same way you do. So you can <laughs> kind of commiserate together. Yeah. And that's what we said at the end of that Tavares thing too, was that we all, we all are in this together. You know, that was the whole thing. Right. So, you know, that, that was how we get through this and boy, we, we did, um, a couple, <laughs> couple of things real quick before we uh, take a break and go on in the second half. Um, you know, it's funny you bring up the avalanche because I, I only watched the we all watched the Nathan McKinnon portion of that, the avalanches post game thing. And and I got those vibes from from Barzell, too. Like these are guys that they know they're good. They know that their opportunities to get this far don't come around that often. And, you know, Barzell made it further than than McKinnon did. And so I can imagine what, you know. McKinnon was feeling because I could see what was, you could clearly see what Barzell was feeling, but then you know you also had Bailey and Nelson who were also in that same level too. So it's McKinnon times three, I guess. Um, injuries are obviously going to start coming out. The Islanders are doing their exit interviews, I think, while we speak here. JG Pajot just said, basically said he was injured and he's going to find out soon if he requires surgery. Hopefully, it doesn't bleed into next season. That could be a problem for the Islanders if it does. Um, and obviously, we, we forgot to mention that the. The cross check that made people on Nikita Kucherov that got people booing Scott Mayfield. Um, Kucherov, I think, led all lightning forwards in ice time in game seven. So was he hobbled? I don't know. He had a couple of shots on goal. Maybe he was just a decoy. I don't think this was like a Willis Reed type of situation, but uh, you know, you're going to hear more about that coming out. Um, and we'll have to. Kind of just deal with it as we go on. I don't know if anybody else was was hurt, but Pajot definitely clear. And I don't know if that that may be impacted Palmieri's output too. It's possible, but Pajot was definitely laboring and and uh, somehow constrained a little bit. Uh, okay, we're going to take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about uh, the playoff run as a whole and uh, and how uh, how much fun <laughs> the ride was. All right, so come back with this. Uh, also, we're going to shout out some uh, some reviews that uh, we received. Uh, this year, just as a, as a special treat. So I'll uh, come back in a minute. All right, thanks. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. They also have hats. So if you want an Indianapolis Racers hat, the only place you can get it is VintageIceHockey.com. They'll have our Al Arbor t-shirts and our portion of the sales of that go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. And they also have a code Lighthouse15, which will save you 15%. So go to VintageIceHockey.com today. Uh, thanks to Kevin for all the great work and uh, being uh, our favorite sponsor. So uh, hopefully uh, you guys have uh, uh, patronized his uh, website over the course of the year. Um, yeah, this this playoff run was really something else. Um, on his pregame seven podcast, Mike Carver actually brought up a good point and that, you know, and, and you mentioned this talking before about other iterations of the Islanders and playoff teams. You know, we, we celebrate teams like the 93 team, for example. Uh, we celebrate the 2002 team, particularly we do all the time. Even the 2015 team that beat Florida the that year, the 2016 team, but even the 2015 team that lost to the Caps in the first round. Um, the 2013 team, the lots of the Penguins in the first round, like we celebrate these teams, guys come to the games, we talk about them sort of 93 for a certain segment of the fan base was our high point. But this, this iteration of the Islanders went further than any of them, you know, like it's hard to kind of wrap your brain, you know, nostalgia is a funny thing. Like you, you remember the old stuff very well and it's super important, but like the now is in a way, in every way, really more important. You know, and it's hard for people to come across that. And I don't know if important is really the right word, but like these dudes went further than those dudes. Like, yes, the 93 team, they got they went past Washington. People remember that. They remember the Pierre Turgeon thing. They remember obviously the Penguins series, but then the series against Montreal, you know, they won, they lost in five games. I think three of them went to overtime or four of them went to overtime. This team went beyond that. You know, <laughs> the, 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 they beat the Panthers at in 2016. They lost, they went, beat the Lightning in the first round, in the first game. And then that was the end of that. You know, and so um, this is a new era. Like this is a new era, and I hope I hope yeah. people will remember this this version of the team as much as they remember those teams. I, I hadn't I, thought about it until you said it, and I was like, "Holy shit!" That's oh, a I great think point. There's no <laughs> doubt that people will like. I think that's that's what, once again like why it hurts is like it's just we we will like you're, you're gonna see you know Travis Ajak at an Islander game <laughs> in ten years, and he's yeah. gonna get a rousing ovation. Like you're like that's there, I have no yeah. doubt in my mind that that like the, to me I I was thinking about this in my just like on my own like this is probably my favorite islander team ever and like you said like nostalgia is a funny thing and i probably said the same thing about the 2007 team that particularly i celebrate all the time because uh you know that was a hilarious run like that they went on and ryan smith was on that team which i also found (laughs) hilarious like another good point yeah yeah like you wake up the next day and like i was like that was my favorite islander team ever in my kind of gut punch and i'm sure i said the same thing about you know the team that kind of pushed the penguins to the brink in 2013 like but um, there's just like, there are so many more layers, uh, to this group, I think, than, than what we saw with those guys. And, uh, it was the playoffs, the playoffs, like just take over your life. Like when mm. I, when I woke up on Saturday, uh, I had a friend text me. He's like, he's like, I honestly just like spent the last half hour just looking at my, my bank, my bank account, trying to like sort out like 
my life. Like, and I was like, yeah, same here. Like, I don't really know where I, my life is right now. Like, I don't know what obligations I've like said, just like <laughs> someone saying like, Hey, can you do this? And I would just say yes. Cause like my mind was elsewhere on the Islanders. And I just would say yes to get them to stop bothering me. So I can go back to my friends and talk about, uh, you know, Leo Komarov or something like, <laughs> I, I don't really know where the world is. And I didn't really know where my life was on Saturday morning. Um, and I just, it was so worth it with this group. Like, that's yeah. the thing. Like it was, it was, this group took over my life, took over your life, took over basically everyone listening to this podcast life for about six weeks here. And, and it was just so worth it. Um, and that's like, you know, as, as this, as like I was saying, like, it is like a temporary sadness, July 1st, 2018. That was much more like that was right. a, when I say there was layers to the, like this group, there were layers to that sadness too. This one, the sadness is so easy to identify. It's that, Look, the Islanders had an amazing run and it ended. And that's it. Like that's it because the, the 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 what this team has shown us is like yes, it, things are going to be crazy this offseason or whatever, but um this this group is this group first of all, you got to this they had a spine. They had some serious like mm-hmm. cojones on them. Like <laughs> their perform some of their performances in in game 6s against pan- pits and 5s and 6s against the Penguins and Bruins and then the Lightning like and then just just showed like this team had such a spine and um, that's something that I'll never forget to like, just, and, and that caused me to, you know, to, you, we, we've talked about how hard it's been to trust the Islanders, but we, we do now, I like, think we, uh, and you just got to trust that with these guys we have in charge and like the, the system that they have in place and whatever, um, that, yeah, like this sadness is temporary and that it, it can, uh, you know, get better and next year could be a lot of fun too, but that's, yeah, this, there's no doubt in my mind, um, that this is those moments this team like will be cherished cherished maybe like just just to that same status as as you know some of even like the dynasty teams or like the 93 team too like it it, it will be like this is a uh this is an absolutely legendary group yeah yeah well said i think it'd be cool to kind of go sort of series by series and maybe talk about favorite moments uh maybe some that are remembered a little bit more than others <laughs> as you know or little little things that stuck out obviously it started with the penguins and, and like i can't really talk about this series from a personal level until i mention the fact that i thought they were going to get swept like their first their second half of the season was a disaster the, the two new guys weren't working out they were so good in the first half and in a way kind of coasted on that success throughout the second half they would win a game lose two look okay, look terrible. You know, they only seem to look good against the Sabres and Rangers and Devils and everybody else. And like, you're not going to play those teams in the playoffs. So what what's going to happen once you get there? So here we are matched up with the Pittsburgh Penguins who won the division. And I'll never forget Kyle Palmieri's two-goal game in the first, you know, and you're joking with people like, well, the Islanders finally won the trade. Boy, did they ever. Like, this was kind of a portent of things to come. And even that second, that overtime goal, it's kind of at a weird angle, you know, went in over the shoulder of, of Tristan Jari, who had become a huge story. Um, but it's funny to me to think back and remember the fact that Simeon Varlamov went through a stretch where he gave up the f- a goal on the first shot of the game for like three or four straight games in a row. And it was like, oh, they can't win. This is never going to work. How are they going to do this? Uh, and again, it's just, it feels like that happened a year and a half ago, but it was literally a month and a half ago. Um and then all the things that went along with that too, the, you know, the crazy game three, there were the Penguins. The, that was the other, the other narrative too. Was like, well, every time the Islanders score, the Penguins come right back. It's just like what the Islanders did to them in uh, in uh, twenty nineteen. It's like, yeah, 
that was the story until the Islanders were like, no, we're not doing that anymore. And then they stopped and then they won. And obviously Sorokin was uh, the star. And, and again, without him, the Islanders wouldn't have gotten as far as they did. Um, yeah, maybe Valamov would have turned it around, but maybe he didn't. For whatever reason, he didn't have it in that series. And Sorokin did. And he established himself and arrived in a way that I think a lot of us have been waiting for. And we talked about that extensively. Um, what do you remember about that Penguin series uh, or the things that stick out uh, beyond, uh, you know, just the, the, the fact that they won? Yeah, the, I think there are two singular moments um, that stick out. Uh, one was the uh, cross-ice pass um, in Game 6. I think it was Bailey to Nelson. Um, because it was indicative of, like, the, for the sec- that second line, Brock, Bo, and Bailey, um, they're hilarious. Like, <laughs> they're just, they'll go three or four games where they just disappear. Uh, yeah. Because they're all, they're, the three of them all are so streaky in their own ways. Yeah, they're three individually streaky guys on one line. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, and, and they're different kinds of streaky. Like, Brock is a shooter. His streaks yeah. are different. Like, Beauvillier's streaks can be, like, kind of like a 200-foot thing where he's, like, if he's just not engaged and he's not winning board battles, he, he can be a mess in his own zone, getting pucks out, whatever. Uh, he can't forecheck. Um, and then Bailey is streaky in the way that, like, sometimes he just overcomplicates things and he'll do it for three or four games in a row where he'll you know my friends and i always joke that the the josh bailey statue when it gets built at ubs arena is going to be him winding up the puck kind of like traveling to him in in his in his window to to take a one-timer and the whole half like and then a a few statues surrounding him of fans with their head on their hands because they don't know is josh bailey going to shoot this puck into the empty net or is he going to make the extra pass and it's going to get picked off for a two-on-one going the other way and i think that's <laughs> and, and that's the kind of streaky player he is and but when they click then when they click it's just it can be beautiful like it can be they they can be one of the best second lines in the league because they're so good in transition they they've played together so long they know where each other are and their games complement each other and i thought that goal um after uh, a series where you know they they kind of like were up and down and I, remember, I think it was I think it was this series where like Ed Olchek or whoever was the uh, Joe Micheletti I think was the mm. the riding shotgun in that series was like I don't know where Brock Nelson is and I was like hey, Joe you don't know who Brock Nelson is like you, you, I don't know if you've ever heard of him before tonight uh, and and then he you know had a big game six and um, be, a, one of two big game sixes and I think that pass kind of was was that group in a nutshell and that game was that group in a nutshell because it was such a beautiful big important goal um they're so reliable to like provide those moments um when they're going um yeah and the other singular moment that kind of does represent a bigger um theme which you touched on was the uh save that um Ilya Sorokin made on Freddie Goudreau uh in overtime when uh the it was just a beautiful tip in the slot like the one when Time stood still when that puck hit Kudrow's stick because you're like, oh, he's got no chance on this. And it just Sorokin was so good in that game and he was so good in that series that he deserved a big break. And he just happened to be standing there. The puck hit him and the Islanders escaped danger. Um, he deserved that. Like he the way he played, the performance he put on was, um, you know, it, it's kind of because it happened, quote unquote, so long ago. And there's been so many other crazy things that's happened since then that it could get um kind of overshadowed but you you do just you remember that uh yeah without Sorokin in that in that performance where he stole game five the Islanders like we we, we do this podcast you know four weeks ago mm. um and it doesn't yeah sure <laughs> it might not hurt as bad but like it would hurt you know and oh, you'd yeah. be more angry than sad and you want to be more, and if you do get eliminated in the playoffs you want to be more sad than angry um and uh yeah that 
that save to me, it just, it, it was like, just like a, a, a moment where like, I did start to believe that, wow, they're going to come out, come away with this win. And um, when you, you look at like the patterns of their series, like the, the game fives of, especially in those first two rounds where they, they kind of snuck one uh, out and won. And then like, completely demoralized that their opponent was such an Islander thing. And I think that moment kind of represents a little bit of that too. And um, yeah, he, he, that game kind of etched Sorokin's name into basically every Islander fan's heart after the the whole journey of getting him to that moment, mm. uh, the cross continental journey. Uh, so those, yeah. those were the two that, that stuck out to me and kind of like as part of the bigger themes. Yeah. He wasn't just some rando goalie that just happened to have the game of his life. Like this is the guy we'd been waiting for. And, you know, he was called on to make, what was it? 50 saves in that game, uh, uh, 48, something like that. And so, yeah, that, that, you know, the, the journey makes it, you know, that, that game in particular, pretty special. So they win game six against the Penguins in one of the most complete game, you know, playoff games they've had in a long time. They were played like, like a complete group of animals in the beginning, you know, throughout the entire game, snuffed out the penguins uh, with a killer instinct. And it was awesome. And then the realization set in, Oh shit, we got to play Boston now. And, you know, yes, the Islanders had, had beaten the the Bruins five times in in a row earlier this season had never done that before, but that was before the Bruins kind of kicked it up into playoff mode. They got Taylor Hall. They, you know, they still, this is the guy they needed, you know, this was perfect addition to this perfect team. Now they're unstoppable. They can't be beat. And, uh, game one, David Pasternak had a hat trick. Like it, it was all bought. It was the worst possible scenario until, of course, the eight nothing game that you could have gone into and start a way to start the series. Like, are you kidding me? This guy, they have no chance against these guys. Game two, they kept it close, and you know we talked about this too. Like for Casey Sezikis to be the guy to score that overtime goal, he was put in. A dozen years as an Islander has gone through ups and downs and sideways and everything. And oh, by the way, is also an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. And he's still part of the quote identity line that this team has that sets the tone for every single game. And it's three literal best friends all playing on a line all together was just almost too emotional for words. Like it was hard to really form a thought <laughs> after that because it's so meaningful and so unbelievable. And from that moment on, things were pretty close. Yeah, okay, Brad Marchand scored that terrible, you know, probably the worst goal Varlamov gave up, gave up all playoffs, and that that took a lot of win out of their sales. But game four was a complete game win. Game five was very much like the game in Pittsburgh. Like they just they didn't play that well, and all of a sudden they come away with another win, and somehow. It's, you know, they hung on. It wasn't overtime. They had to hang on for dear life because the Bruins were not going away quietly. But then game six, again, we talked about it. Probably the best game the Islanders have played in my lifetime, you know, since 1984 or whatever. Like, that was a team that was determined to get to the Eastern or the semifinals and snuff out this competition with a killer instinct that we do not see all that much. And I didn't think they could top game six against Pittsburgh, the series before this, the game against Boston topped it. Like I will never forget that game. That was, that was a, like a religious experience. Those two things. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on, but those two things were almost like religious experiences for me. <laughs> the case of Zika's goal. And then game six, it, it was, I mean, you know, if you didn't feel the most Islanders pride you've ever felt in those two moments, I don't know what to tell you. That was for me, you know, but mm. they're both crazy. Yeah, the the things that stuck out for me, like in that kind of chapter of this run, is that 
there's one on ice thing and then one off ice thing. The one on ice thing was uh, Matt Barzell, which is, you know, I've been waiting to tell this story actually for uh, the, like the playoff yeah. run to end, which Excited is, uh, <laughs> yeah. So in the middle of uh, game three, which they lost, um, you know, I have, you know, I guess you can call it a friendship with uh, Mike Francesa. And uh, <laughs> he was at the game and uh, we were texting about the game and, I, I, you know, I'm not, this isn't me bragging, but like there will be times where he will text me unprompted and he knew I was at the game. So he texted me right before the third period of game three against the Bruins and just said time for Barzell. And <laughs> 10 minutes later, Matt Barzell scores. And up to that point, I think that was his, what, his first goal of the playoffs, right? Yeah, like yeah. Second, yeah, his first goal. <laughs> so like he says that Barzell scores, next text, like two seconds later, while, while we're yes, 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 saying I get a text from Francesca that just says bingo. <laughs> and from that moment on throughout the entire postseason matt barzell was just a maniac like so you know i'm not giving credit to francesa but maybe a little uh that you know maybe he'll, he'll, he'll take it anyway yeah, he'll, 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 he awoke the matt barzell and um yeah he had some he, like from that moment on he, he had a run of like you know however many games they played like basically a point per game player and was just an absolute beast uh, took his game to the next level for sure. Playing on a line once again with like Leo Komarov for most of the time. Like, um, so like that, that definitely was one, like just Matt Barzell's kind of um, arrival into the postseason um, through the lens of Mike Francesa was definitely a big <laughs> moment. And obviously the, the, maybe my favorite part of um, that series though, was the, the end of game six. And like you said, like it was a religious experience. Like, when uh, it was tied 1-1 after the first, I'm just like, oh, God, like, this is going to suck if they lose. They're playing well, whatever. <laughs> but this this Bruins team is so good. Um, and, like, the before that game, like, and I'm not afraid to admit it, like, I was just having, like, cry, basically crying um, in the bathroom before because I was just thinking about how great it would be for the Islanders to win this game um, with after Bruce Cassidy was did his whole little rant and the New York Saints <laughs> thing kind of became like a – a thing and like a fun p- subplot and just just imagining people you know showing up in saints jerseys and then they did and then imagining imagining like the chance and stuff and picturing it and being like wow it would really suck to lose that game with all this kind of hype yeah. building into it and for them to deliver was just so great and um you know the, there was a brass band playing outside the coliseum as we were walking in it it honestly you honestly felt like you were walking down Berman street as you were showing your vaccination cards <laughs> to get into the Coliseum. And I, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget the way that hearing those horns and made me feel, um, walking in just like so grateful to be a part of this team, to be able to know exactly like, look, there is a brass band playing on the concrete outside Nassau Coliseum on long Island in Uniondale. Um, right now it should make no sense, but it makes so much sense. And to, to be able to understand every layer of yeah. how the, this band got to that exact sp- part. Like I, I was so grateful to, to understand the joke, to be in on the joke and get like every part of it. Um, you need to be in the club to get the joke, right? Which exactly. Is a fun thing, you know, <laughs> exactly. Like feeling that. And then, uh, and then the joke being able to be worth it, like to, to, to be able to be like, no, Bruce Cassidy, we are laughing at you as he's walking off the ice and everyone's <laughs> screaming New York Saints at him. Um, that's like, that's, uh, that's like the, like you said, like the inside joke moment of like the Coliseum lore, like the beer cans or whatever it is we'll talk on <laughs> later. Like th- that's like what people noticed, but like the New York Saints thing was to me like one of the funniest and most unique Nassau Coliseum moments ever yeah. because it was both like 
you know, there was just so much like, uh, I want to say violence. That's the only word I can think of. Like, but in like, in the way people were screaming at him, obviously nobody was doing anything to Bruce Cassidy violently, but like screaming at him. And like, you, you literally felt like you were yelling over him, yelling in his face and he could hear you each individually. And um, <laughs> that was, that was to me the uh, kind of the perfect ending to a series of um, where the Islanders truly like earned, earned at people's, respect uh from everywhere else and it yeah as as people the way that they did it like at, at the same time were the, a bunch of lunatics in nassau coliseum screaming new york saints at someone while probably you know uh whoever was calling the game was saying like oh this team you know is they've proven they belong and to hear that diatribe going on while we're screaming new york saints at the coach <laughs> simultaneously is, is like a great kind of juxtaposition of what this this fan base and team are all about yeah, there's probably another conversation to have about how the Islanders were covered by a lot of national media people throughout the playoffs. And I think the overall theme is that they don't get it. Like, again, you have to be in the club to get it. And obviously for us, these things are hilarious. You know, Dan Feeney smashing a you know, beer can against his head is hilarious. You know, Ralph Macchio being at the game is great. Like, if you're outside of the club, you don't get it. And I get other teams like are going to be, oh, that's stupid. Meanwhile, they have their own stupid things that they do that we'll probably say are stupid too. But like, right. it's, and, and, but the yeah. thing is like those stupid things that they have feel like they've been, you know, thought of in like a, in like a marketing meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like Ralph Macchio being the cheer, the cheerleader of the New York Islanders wasn't, yeah, sure. That they, they talk about like, Hey, we got to get Macchio on the screen at some point. Remember mm-hmm. like some of someone like be, find out where he is, but like, but he's legit. That's what it came. Yeah, it came very organically thirty years ago when Matt, Ralph Macchio was an island, like like started going island games or whatever fifty years ago. So like it is, it does like these kind of organic moments um, are like another thing that you just take you can't take for granted as a fan base because like it's much different from be, you know seeing Rob Gronkowski, you know <laughs> here he is like saying yeah. like blaring a horn or something to signify that the national anthem is about to start. Very yeah. different. Than seeing Ralph Macchio waving a waving a towel over his head. Right. Yeah. That, that is all true. That is definitely true. Um, and so yeah, so they they beat the Bruins, and again, you're like, that's amazing. Oh my God, now they gotta play the lightning. <laughs> so um, you know, I think a lot of us after last year were were you know, interested wanted to play the lightning. Like, you know, people chanting, We want Tampa. Again, I wouldn't have done that, but I think we all felt again that this the team had grown since last year's run and wanted to show up again against the lightning. And unfortunately the thing I think about the most though, is a guy who wasn't there. And for all these crazy moments and all the other moments that we haven't talked about, it's hard to remember that the Islanders did all this without Anders Lee, who is arguably, you know, their second, third, fourth, maybe most important player behind Barzell, Varlamov and, and the two, you know, the top defensive pair, like, Lee got hurt halfway through the regular season. And and Barry Trotz at some point was like, unless this series finishes in September, we're not going to see Anders Lee. Somehow they did all this without him. And two things that stick out to me. One is that how how great would it have been to have him against the Lightning? And we talked before about you know missing bounces and things like that. And you know, I'm not saying Lee would have gone in there and lit up Vasilevsky, but having that enormous body in front of him the entire time without Leo Komarov on that line with Barzell, I think would have changed the dynamic of the series a lot. And and when so many games go 2-1, you know, they lost game three, whatever it was, 2-1. Um, they lost game seven, one nothing. Like, I think 
it's arguable to say that Lee would have definitely made made a huge impact on what the Islanders were able to do in that series, particularly one that came down to bounces so many times. But then the other thing too is, you know, the Islanders don't aren't a team as most Lou Lamorello teams aren't, you know, that lets people into the locker room and and has this sort of like outsized out outdoor person, you know, whatever uh, outgoing personality. But they let in some cameras. I guess maybe this was for that quest for the cup show. I'm not even sure, but the team put um, you know these videos online. And when you saw Lee read off the starting lineup to the guys and walked out the door and slammed his hand on the door like he was getting ready to go out there too, like it again, it was like you brought a tear to your eye. Like this guy, this is probably I can't. I, we saw what Barzell and Nelson and Bailey were going through, but like. What must Lee must have been going through this whole time? Like this, it must have been torturous for him to not be out there with these guys because they all care so much. And then even after the games, he's like in there and he's like giving high fives and hugging and like you know he's still there, like he's still part of the team, and that was so great. And you know he did it again before I guess game six, and it's just that just you know we did we are obviously already loved Andrews Lee, but that that made it even much more so. But it also again made it very painful to think. Boy, just to have that one bounce, all it would have taken was one bounce off of the stick or the or the the ass or the knee or whatever of Anders Lee to get past Vasilevsky, and things are completely different. And I'm sure he's thinking about it. I'm sure Trotz is thinking about it. The rest of the team is thinking about it. And it's just it's just so brutal that, you know, this guy didn't get to participate in any of this until the end, you know, until he was skating and in things and you know, he, he participated as much as he could. But to be on the ice, to not be on the ice was probably just brutally, brutally difficult for him. And, and you know, I, I don't know if that's the lasting image of what I'll think about from this series. But right now, that is exactly what I'm thinking about from this yeah. series. And it's again, it sucks. Another layer that sucks, like you said. In a yeah, in a weird way, like I don't even want to talk about the the like on ice moments from the Lightning series because right. like right now they suck to think about. But like in in a couple of days, like I'll, I'll think about them and just get the goosebumps from Pollock and Beauvillier and, you know, even like game one. So yeah, I'd much rather focus, like rather focus on that, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and I think it's, you know, it's, uh, it's fair to, to kind of spend some time on Lee. Like I kept joking around after those, um, uh, people, you know, I had a bunch of people send me the, the video and being like, Oh my God, this is awesome. Like everyone loved the Lee moment. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's just, you know, from like a Disney Channel movie or something, you'll just hear like, oh, no, yeah, he's been with us the whole time. Um, and it's true, like Anders Lee was just with us the whole time in, in a different way. Um, and it it did, it did like just suck because like it, the thought, like, of course, would always cross your mind, like, damn, like, imagine this team's had Lee and, you know, what must he be feeling? But then to see that, like, you're like, damn, like, he's doing exactly what he, he, you would expect Anders Lee to be doing in this during this run and um yeah i think i think like that that kind of it's like the off ice stuff goes like or like the things that are sticking out to me that um right now like that slap against the wall and the fact that he reads simeon verlamov's name in in full in less than like a split second is able to say simeon verlamov like <laughs> it's uh, it's great and like that and also like um the kind of the, the other stuff too is just how uh pre and post game pressers uh 
from Barry Trotz during the series were just always so poignant. I thought mm. like it was almost like sitting down and like listening to like a fireside chat from like FDR <laughs> during like, <laughs> like when, when shit was really hitting the fan. You know, if you think a you think a third round loss to the Lightning was, but like listening to someone like calm you down during the Great Depression or whatever. Um, you know, listening to fireside chats with Bar- Barry Trotz were always um, were always kind of nice because you lose eight nothing, and then to hear him being like, yeah, like you know, it's. You got to be able to just move past it because you can't, you know, this this team was always about moving forward and not letting the past drag them down. And I mean, I think mm. that theme kind of runs all the way back once again to when this journey started, when Tavares left, like you can't do anything about it now. Like you just got to move forward. And um, and it's it's and they, they're like that when they get scored on, when they were down to nothing and the uh games five uh, six against the lightning um they just they just had this like a like this crazy resiliency and the absolute um you know the spine and on this team like just was crazy and and i thought like that does start at the top and when you listen to barry trotz say stuff like that and you just believe him like he's got this this crazy charisma about him um that you just every word you say he says you really do say take it face value and when your team loses eight nothing like i really would love to know like what not just islander coaches but like what other coaches like what would john tortorella have been like if if his team just lost eight nothing to the lightning in game five he wouldn't have said like, anything he i would actually have, thought about that he wouldn't yeah, have said anything <laughs> he would have just yeah exactly like it would have been like uh, like yeah he would have gotten to little bickering things with the yeah the media and then like even going to other coaches like going around the league and like just being like who would have handled yeah. that situation he- He'd Better. say like, "How do you think I feel, Portsy?" Right, exactly. And then you just get up and walk away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks. Yeah, precisely. And you know, and, and sometimes that kind of stuff works. But like with this group, like the, the you could tell like the way the Trots kind of managed that moment and situation um, was just different. And uh, from basically, I think you could say any coach in the league. Like, um, and those those like I said, like the playoffs do take over your life. And um, so you spend every second with like a magnifying glass during these post-game pressers to see what, you know, what these guys are saying and stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, those, those were pretty, uh, pretty special. And then, yeah, the only other thing that I'll, I'll that, that I want to kind of talk about right now is uh, the, the meltdowns from uh, Edzo. Yeah. Uh, during the beer can shower. Well, because I think you mean the the meltdown and then the the beer can shower and then the non meltdown yes, exactly. of the clappers flying from the Amelie Pre- Arena stands. Precisely. That's what. Yeah. So like the just the way that that this team kind of still found a way to to just piss people off in in the best way, <laughs> uh, in a hilarious way. And um, yeah, the, the quote from Beauvillier will certainly go down. Uh, and mm-hmm. like I was saying, like these post game pressers before and after games during the series have been awesome because you get to a point and you can tell that these guys are really relishing the moment. And um, so that that was a lot of it. Like I'll, oh, there's just so many uh, unforgettable parts of this this whole run. But that was yeah. certainly one that, like, uh, next, I, you know, if I ever get a chance to run into Ed, Ed Olchik, I'm, I am absolutely going to say something to him about that because, or maybe throw a beer, an empty beer can at him or something, <laughs> just because it was just so perfectly. Yeah. It was like a, an amazing kind of encapsulation of of everything that is like right with right and wrong with the sport that we love so much. It's like this unbridled enthusiasm, emotion, whatever being being poured out and. uh the the guy with the microphone and the biggest platform in that moment 
poo-pooing it like mm, right. you know, oh no hockey's amazing like look how great this is and then having a guy who played hockey who won a stanley cup who's mm. literally got the entire hockey watching world listening to him condemning it i mean yeah. like oh okay now you understand now you don't now you, now you gotta get why this sport hasn't grown the way that <laughs> we all thought it might or uh hoped it would well, and then, then when when the lighting fans started throwing those plastic clapper things on the ice at the end of Game Seven, it was there was silence. Uh, somebody told me that he did mention something later, like I don't, you know, they shouldn't be doing this, like it's dangerous to be doing this. But it wasn't anywhere, even almost in the same neighborhood as what he was. He and Boucher too were both doing in that game, as we talked about last time. Like they didn't even talk about the goal; they just launched into this diatribe about how dangerous it was. They're throwing, why are they throwing beer cans on the ice? Your team just won. What are you doing? Like just, okay. And so we see how it works. <laughs> we see, we got it. We got it. You know, Islanders versus lightning. We, we get, it. but uh, yeah, that's, that's all. Uh, that's all very good stuff. Um, I guess we should probably spend a minute talk about literally a minute talking about the Stanley cup final that we are going to get versus the uh, Tampa Bay lightning versus the Montreal Canadians. Um, you know, the Lightning are the heavy favorites. I I think, like most people, they're they're probably going to win. Although I do think this series is going to be a lot closer than it's been, than than people are predicting. And I, I think a lot of it comes down to something we've talked about this entire run, and it pertains to the Islanders in particular. Both of these teams are capable of winning two one games, and that is sometimes what you need to win in the playoffs. And all the bitching and moaning about how there's not enough offense and these boring teams and they don't let people score is just misguided stupidity by hypocritical assholes. Like sometimes you got to win a game two one in the playoffs, and I'm sorry that it's not eight seven, but like the eight seven games are what happens, you know, in, in a Tuesday night in Ottawa in November. Like those are the eight seven games. Like these aren't, you know, maybe every once in a while a playoff game opens up and weird stuff happens, but sometimes you got to win a game two one, and both of these teams are are fully capable of doing that. Uh, the Habs have shown it. Can they do it to the Lightning four times? Uh, I don't know. That seems like a tall order. But uh, the Lightning certainly can. We've seen them out island of the Islanders, which means to me, tells me, they could probably out Habs the Habs. So we'll see what happens. I'm on the fence about whether or not I'm going to actually watch it. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'll probably end up watching some of it, or at least all yeah. of it. But uh, yeah, so we'll see. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think... I just wanted to be short because I just wanted, you know, I just wanted to be over with and get start focusing on. Uh, yeah, talk about getting our lives back. That would right. be very helpful. Yeah, <laughs> just it's just like focus on what the uh, what the off season comes. It's like, and I know we'll, we'll talk much more about this in detail later. But like, there are some um, the expansion draft obviously coming up in less than a month is like, yeah, it's almost <laughs> a good thing, you know, like in a way. Um, I mean, it's it sucks because it means something. You know, there's going to be changes or whatever, but. At least it's like it's going to snap you right into. All right, let's you know get ready for next season mode, which is you know the off season. It sucks because it's you know they're not playing and the means that they probably didn't win the cup or whatever. But at the same time, like it's fun and to speculate and stuff like that. So like with the expansion draft adding an an interesting wrinkle, like um, I just want this this season to be kind of just wrap up as soon as possible so we can start to uh, you know focus and hear about uh you know what the team's gonna look like next year <laughs> yeah oh uh, oh yeah uh yeah you know we'll we'll definitely talk a lot about the expansion draft and and the changes because they are coming and you know barry trotz said so at the end of the at his post game thing like you know this group knows this is probably the last time they're going to yeah. be together and that's i actually not being... appreciated him mentioning yeah. that honestly like because it's, it's just it's just how it is it's just yeah, the reality of exactly. it exactly you know? and it, so. and like 
he's like I've been saying, like he's been very poignant. And like for him to say it, you're like, it's almost like, you know, uh, you know, everybody knows it. Brace yourselves. We've all been saying it, like to put it out there. I almost appreciate it. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, I just want to take a couple of minutes, move on from from the game and the playoffs and everything. And uh, I just want to shout out some reviews that we got over the course of the season. We, we ran our promotion. Uh, it was all Mike's idea <laughs> for uh, to get some some reviews on iTunes this year, uh, and some winners were selected that got some eBay swag. We know there's still a couple of folks out there waiting for their stuff, but don't worry, you're going to get it soon enough. And we can't thank everybody enough for for these great reviews. You know, we've got a 4.9 out of five rating on iTunes right now, which is fantastic. If you get a moment this summer to leave us a review, we really really appreciate it. Um, you know, we don't do this for clicks or anything like that you know our our only sponsor is our friend <laughs> that's the way we like to keep it uh you know sb nation puts those ads in there not us so uh you know but it is nice to know that we put our feelings out there and people can reciprocate and and they can feel it and you know even if they disagree like you know we are here we're putting us out there and and some people like that and uh a couple of, of reviews here um, uh, Kay Irvin, who, uh, is an expat from Long Island, who lives in Nashville, said that each episode of Lighthouse Hockey, uh, Lighthouse is a must listen and our easy and formed banter provide welcome doses of history, perspective, uh, and a long suffering respect for the organization, uh, which is true. That's what we do. <laughs> that's, uh, that's our, our whole thing. Um, Denver Bronco, Denver, Denver 88 Bronco is from Syracuse and he got to be an Islander fan because of blue and orange. And uh, he says, I found you guys. I'm so happy you guys put out good content. It comes from a place of passion. Again, that's just what we do. Um, and we appreciate that you uh, listen to it. Um, some people have called this their favorite Islanders podcast. That means a lot. There's a lot of Islanders podcasts out there. And some of them are great. I listen to most of them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we really appreciate that. That was uh, Dagham with about 15 N's in his, uh, their name here. So thank you very much. Uh, and then uh, there was a... Uh, one more I wanted to get to. Oh, yeah. Um, Iggy Bod said, we are by diehards for diehards. And I really do think that that is kind of sums up w- what we got. Uh, he relates to you because you guys are closer in age. Um, and uh, he recently found out he graduated. Well, never mind. Uh, but it shows how small Islanders country really is because, you know, we're all f- kind of fit into different age groups. And, um, you know, we... Um, we're all part of the same tapestry, like you said before. So thanks to those reviewers. Thanks to all the reviewers. We really, really appreciate it. We couldn't have done. We don't do this without you, without people listening. If it was just Mike and I would just talk on the phone, I guess. But, uh, we would, uh, you know, we, we enjoy this. This is our therapy session as well, which also somebody also called us, you know, Islanders therapy. And yep, that that's pretty much it. That's how it, how it boils down to. So, uh, Thank you very much. And uh, please keep them coming all summer long. You know, we're, we're going to put out a few more episodes for sure. So if you have time this summer to, to leave us a review, we'd uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely do appreciate it. I've, I've, I've run into a couple of people during the playoff run, especially that say they listen in. Um, it's always just fun to hear uh, people say, uh, to say they appreciate the show and, and to kind of appreciate the, um, I guess you, I don't know, the nuance of it more than anything. Like, like, like you and I aren't, here to talk about trade rumors or be insiders <laughs> or talk about you know whether the or not leo Komarov should be in the lineup and stuff like that like that's just we're we're much more of like the kind of along for the ride folks know like mm. whether you or i 
say that the power play should have Noah Dobson at the point of Ryan Pollock isn't going to matter in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> We're just here to to kind of talk about w- what this kind of team and where they are at in the journey of their season or off season means to um, I don't know us and and the fan base much more than anything. Like kind of the that and to hear people appreciate that more than the um kind of scream into the microphone you know why is leo Komarov on the first line stuff is appreciative because i think that's you know the the general goal of the show is to provide like um you know someone riding shotgun with you uh as the islanders do whatever they're doing um mm. and because of for a lot of time like it was almost necessary <laughs> like it was a necessary <laughs> thing to have someone try to sort out the uh you know emotions of Brett Yormark sabotaging the team and stuff like that, right? Like you need, because you can't, you're not going to get that from, you know, a national writer or whatever. And uh, to you, it's like I said, kind of necessary. And now it's turned into like more of a, obviously there's such much, much more of a positive vibe around the team and stuff. And um, to be able, we're happy to try to put that into context against the the lows, right? Like, Mm. um, so that's, uh, you know, the kind of the goal of the show and what makes it fun is that like, I don't have to show up behind this microphone. Dan, as I have said before, like Dan does all the kind of grunt work of editing and whatever. And I just kind of stand here and tuck into uh, a microphone, but like, I don't show up here to, and I'm happy. I don't, I'm grateful. I don't have to show up and break down little in like Michael Dow Cole's role with the Islanders. Like I'm much more (laughs) happy to talk about what Michael Dow Cole has meant to me in my life, (laughs) you know? So uh, it's, it's fun. It's much more fun that way. Um, So, yeah, we do appreciate it, and uh, I, I appreciated everybody who I met, uh, whether it was in the parking lot or, like, in the concourse over the past couple of weeks. And, of, of course, the reviews, they do brighten our day. So, yeah, keep them coming, sure. I guess. Yep. I mean, w- w- you guys get – you definitely get us when, when we're talking, <laughs> and uh, and we, we really appreciate – you know, that other people want to stay along for the ride and, and feel the same way. So it's great. Uh, okay. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Again, we'll be back. Uh, we'll hopefully get some guests on and talk about what next season is. We're going to parse through all of the eggs and interviews and stuff like that. I, I, I think uh, Trotz and Lamorello are still have to talk, but uh, you know, we'll see what, what transpires and who's hurt where and, and you know, what's going to happen with uh, various free agents restricted and unrestricted. So we'll have to see what happens. Uh, in the meantime, Thanks for listening. Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion for all of those topics and and more. We'll uh, see where the end of the season takes us there. Um, Listen to PT Isles with Joe and Noel. I'm sure they're going to record an episode soon, too. That wraps up the season as well. Their last episode was a lot of fun, too. Uh, Where can everybody find you on Twitter? The Big Lee Basket with two E's. Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski with two E's. Read his work at the Action Network. Still time to make some dough. Uh, you know, I don't think you're going to make a betting on the Lightning, who are probably an enormous favorite in this series. But uh, you know, there's some prop, prop bets out there. I'm sure you can. Yeah, that uh, is. I guess I will be watching because I I did bet the uh, the Canadians before oh. the season to win the Stanley Cup, and uh, so yeah, I guess it is kind of important. Yeah, look, oh. like it's funny with betting. Like Trotz was saying, like when you you go into a series and you 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 picture it going one way and it just never <laughs> goes that way. It's the same thing. Like I made a bet on the Canadians, thinking, oh, this team is probably better than they they're they're being credit for, and they'll be able to contend in the North Division and whatever. And then now this is 
not <laughs> not how I thought that this bet would get to the final yeah. leg. <laughs> like, <so. laughs> yeah, I think that's that's safe to say. Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody did, and especially yeah, the, the Vegas so, Golden Knights. Sometimes good good bets lose and bad bets win, and yeah. Lord knows I've had share of both. All right. Well, in that case, go Habs, go is all I'm going to say. <laughs> and uh, we will uh, talk to you guys uh, some other time uh, and have a have a great Fourth of July. Uh, we'll, we'll figure out when our next time is coming up. But if we don't talk uh, before next weekend, have a great Fourth of July. Uh, enjoy it. Uh, hopefully it's safe. And uh, we'll talk to you again later. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye bye.